Welcome to BIV Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast Jean Charest, pretty well into the home stretch now of the federal Conservative Party leadership race. We want to catch up with him on his trip to the West and talk about some recent events in the contest. Good to see you. Hello, Kurt. Nice to see you. A couple of things in recent days are, uh, I think, reasonable starting points for us. First off, you hinted that if Pierre Poilier wins this contest, the party's going to fracture and there's going to be another party emerge, kind of like uh, back to the future a little bit. Why did you choose to say this at this juncture? Well, well Kirk, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because I actually did not uh, say that. It was uh, the media who interpreted from a book that was written a uh, very good book written by uh, Tasha Carradine, who co-chairs my yeah. campaign. The mm-hmm. title of the book is uh, The Right Path. So I, I recommend the book to all your listeners, but she uh, she evoked that type of scenario without endorsing it. And then there's some people who bandy around this idea that uh, another party could be formed. That's not at all my uh, intent. It's not my scenario. There's only one option here, and it's the Conservative Party of Canada. And I'm running uh, for the leadership because I believe in this party, its history, its role. And, uh, and the idea is for me to be a leader of a party that is going to replace the Liberals. So that's the only scenario that's out there. And that's the only scenario that should be out there. Every, um, every leadership race uh, disaffects a certain part of the party. In this case here, though, you've been rather pointed in your critique of Mr. Polyev and, and his his style, uh, his approach and all of this, do you think that um, his his victory in this would fracture the party considerably, though? Well, you know, and I, I hope that I've always been constructive in my, my criticism, and, and it is a leadership race. I mean, this is a contest of ideas, as it should be. And it, and it should be a contest of policies, which I've done. I put out, of all the candidates, I'm the one who put out the most policy. Mr. Poitier's style, you know, Kirk, to be very frank, isn't certainly what I think we should be doing in politics. He's very American style, very, uh, you know, uh, confrontational, attack mode. He, he's been attacking me personally from the beginning of the race, continues to do it. Frankly, I don't think it has a lot of effect. It doesn't look uh, very mature. And, uh, and so this, what I, my point is this, Kurt, we do not need in Canada, American style politics. We're, we're, can, we're Canada, we're a different country. We love our American neighbors and friends, but you know what? This style of politics where you constantly attack, where you're confronting other people, you polarize, would be very damaging for Canada. And uh, I'm of the other school that think that uh, we should be Canadians in the way we practice our politics. And on that, Mr. Padiev and I fundamentally disagree. I mean, his policies about Bitcoin, about the Bank of Canada, the attacks. that I mean, he had violent attacks on, Brian, on Patrick Brown, very personal. This, this isn't what the country wants or needs. I, I'm of another school who believes that there is some nobility in politics and, and it's a, a business of ideas. After um, after September, uh, one of you will be the leader, uh, almost uh, assuredly. Um, can you work together? Yes. You know, if when I become the leader, let's put it that way. That will be positive. I'm very confident, by the way, because we've just had two very good polls come out uh, that indicate that if I become the leader, I win the country. If Mr. Poitiers the leader, he loses. It's, it's, that's, it's that simple. An Angus Reid poll that was out, in fact, yesterday 
and it indicates that I would win seats in, uh, in uh, seat-rich Ontario and across the country, across the whole country. Mr. Poitier loses, actually, in Ontario to the Liberals. And can we work together? The answer is yes. And uh, I'd, I'd be delighted to work with Mr. Poitier and have him as a minister in my government. What um, You've said uh, repeatedly that you have a path to victory and all of that. Um, tell me a bit about what, what you think that is. Is that some of this stage here where um, party members are getting a chance to perhaps take in what the rest of the country is thinking about this race and are, you know, perhaps weighing a little bit more of their options? To understand that the path to victory uh, requires, you know, a few moments to explain how this race works from an organizational point of view, because it's 100 points per riding, Kirk. So mm-hmm. even if there's 7,000 members in the riding, it's 100 points. If there's 700, it's 100 points. Now, when we came into this race, our view was that we wanted broad-based support across the country. You work to make your vote as efficient as possible, and that's what we've done. And that's why we're confident on the outcome. And we've run a good race. And uh, as, as the pollings indicate from Angus Reid in an Ipsos poll that was published even on Friday, this is two consecutive polls, indicate that I pulled ahead, uh, that uh, I would win the country. And it more importantly, says Mr. Poitier would lose. And that's in the end, I mean, conservatives have lost three consecutive election campaigns, three. Uh, Stephen Harper lost Justin Trudeau in 15. And then we, we gave away the campaigns in 19 and 21. I, I think we've had enough. So my message to the members is if you've had enough of losing and you want a, a made in Canada conservative agenda and a leader who will put you at the, in a national government, then, then I'm your choice. Usually former leaders uh, stay a little bit clear of leadership races. Um, and Stephen Harper did so uh, when Mr. Shear was elected, when Mr. O'Toole was elected leader. But he chose yesterday to endorse Mr. Polyev. Did that surprise you? Well, I, you need to take compliments when they come by. <laughs> this is a pretty high compliment. Uh, I, I indicated a moment ago that there's no coincidence in the fact that we have on Friday a poll that's very favorable to me and shows momentum and a very strong trend line. And then another poll yesterday, the Angus Reid poll, very significant. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Uh, Harper, after saying through his spokespeople that he would not intervene, all of a sudden intervenes. It says something about the campaign that he would feel uh, that he needs to come in and prop up Mr. Poitier. And, you know, they worked together, they were, but they were also part of the same team in 2015 that uh, lost to Justin Trudeau. So I, I take it as a compliment, frankly. You know, it, it indicates how serious and how tight this race, is, this race is. And it says to the members of the party that if you want change, then Charest is the one who can deliver that for you. Yeah. Uh, I presume you've spent more time in the West in recent months than maybe even in recent decades. Um, what is crystallized for you about BC in particular and, and what a party led by you would need to do for it? Well, this again, I'm sorry to return to this poll, but this poll indicates that I would win in British Columbia over the Liberals. And uh, the Angus Reid poll was pretty uh, good and, and interesting numbers. And much, much more uh, a substantial lead than Mr. Poitier would have. The West, uh, let, let me start with the West as a whole, because there is, and British Columbia doesn't define itself as the West, but Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the, there is a very worrisome sentiment of alienation. Stronger, Kirk, than I have seen in a long time. And both you and I have worked in Ottawa. And we, 
we witnessed that. But I honestly, it is, and, and people in Alberta in particular feel that the rest of the country let them down. Ottawa let them down. The East let them down when they were in trouble, that uh, the rest of the country in the East in particular was very happy to take their money when they were producing wealth. And all of a sudden they want to build a pipeline and, and they're not there. And so I understand that. The real issue is how do you take that you know, disappointment, sometimes anger, and translate it into something positive? So I proposed to Alberta, a specific Alberta Accord, to deal with equalization. And that would affect British Columbia so that the equalization formula is fair. I've said to Albertans, if you want to take your cut out of the Canadian pension fund and run it yourself, I'd be ready to do that, as the case of Depot does in Quebec. And I've also said to them, if you want a specific agreement on immigration, I'd also be ready to look at that. And I'd be ready to look at that for British Columbia also, Kirk, you know, on immigration to make it, uh, because we live in a federal system of government, it should be as decentralized as possible and as specific as possible to the needs of every individual province. So those are things that uh, will resonate here in British Columbia. Resource development also resonates, I think, in this part of the world. And dealing with the issues of the environment and climate in a serious way. Conservatives cannot get elected unless we have a credible view plan on dealing with the environment and climate and resource development. And that's, I propose that in this campaign. Yeah. Uh, one of the great knocks on uh, the Trudeau government has been that um, it lacks an economic policy that really um, speaks to growth. That it, right. um, that really, and, and that it's a, a pretty effective tax and spend uh, government, but not necessarily a good growth one. Um, have you identified what you think are the ingredients of a growth strategy for this country? Well, what you've described, by the way, I mean, is, is objectively what everyone sees in the business community, but also analysts in the media. This is a government, there's a few things about it. It's not interested in growth policies. It's not, doesn't, they're not very interested in the economy. And uh, they're in, into redistribution, which is always fine if you have something to redistribute. And it's also a government who has difficulty managing issues. In Ottawa, you know, public servants, their view is that if they, if they can only handle one issue at a time, whatever's on the prime minister's mind. Now, let's move ahead. The country wants a government that is going to grow the economy and allow us to have a better standard of living. We need to do that through resource development. That includes oil and gas and pipelines. It includes Things like small modular reactors, for example, there's four provinces involved in that. It includes uh, also forestry and fishing, fisheries and, and our resources. We shouldn't be embarrassed in developing them. But also, I'd extend that to another level, Kurt. We need, because we have labor shortages, they're acute now, it's going to get worse in, in the short term. And this is going to be a major uh, obstacle in developing our economy. We need a labor mobility approach connected to immigration to attract talent to the country and integrate those people who come in to our society. I've done, I did an agreement with France to do that. It was very interesting. And it's the most advanced agreement in the world. If you're a doctor in France, you're a doctor in Quebec, an engineer in Quebec, engineer in France. This is the kind of thing that we need to develop so that we bring in talent from all over the best talent in the world and integrate them into our, our society. But to be successful, there's two ingredients. People who come here have to be fully motivated to integrate. We, on the other hand, have to be fully motivated to integrate them. And when those two conditions are met, then we're really starting to build something exceptional. That's, that's part of what I see in British Columbia. 
given its position on the Pacific, which is also a big part. I mean, on the trade side, this is the part of the country geographically, Kirk, that is positioned to take advantage of what is going to be the major growth, economic growth story of the planet, literally, for the foreseeable future. So, the, you know, British Columbia's future is very promising as long as we focus on those opportunities. And yet the, the business community would, of course, tell you, as it tells me, as it tells everybody, that there's a lack of tax competitiveness in this jurisdiction, not just in British Columbia, but in, in the country as a whole. Um, have you got any early ideas about whether there is a requirement in this country for tax reform, serious tax reform? There is a, there is a requirement to review our tax uh, schemes. I know Greg Devignon here of the uh, Business Council has been on this issue for a, a long time and with very credible work done uh, in the British Columbia uh, Business Council through Greg Devignon. This is, this is one of the key issues. One of the unwritten rules about taxation in Canada is that we can never veer too far from where our American neighbor is. I mean, this, this is the direct environment in which we live, like it or not. And now, right now, I think we really push the envelope to the extreme in terms of taxation. What I've seen and what's worked when I was in government is reducing taxes in a measured way. I reduced personal income taxes uh, when I was a premier, and it had a very positive effect on the middle class, lower middle class, but a, and a very positive effect on lower income people and in increasing their disposable income. And it also accelerates economic growth. So that is, that's what we have to keep in mind. Now that's both on personal, but also on the corporate side. The Americans have caught up with us on the corporate oh, yeah. side. Used to have an until Trump gets in and Trump decides to fix that. We've lost some of that edge. So we have to look very carefully at preserving whatever advantages we have and be competitive. Um, last issue. Um, this is a leadership race in 2022. You've had leadership races in many other years um, gone by. Um, hey, how did, how's this changed? This is just not the same thing anymore, is it? Kirk, it is two planets. I mean, literally <laughs> two planets. Yeah. Race I ran, first one is 93 and there's no social media and yeah. there's no COVID. And when I came into this race, of course, uh, social media. And Mr. Payev, by the way, is very good on social media. I mean, he's uh, they recognize that, very talented and, and using social media. For me, coming in, it was all new and laborious, to tell you the truth. Now we've catched up. I think we're doing very well. And But it also has created an environment where the, the, you know, there's certain voices, there's echo chambers in our public environment now that we need to be aware of uh, as, we, uh, as we debate issues to make sure we don't fall into the trap of this American-style politics, which is what I think Mr. Poniev has done in the end. Now, the other thing that's different with COVID is that there, you know, everything is unstructured. There is no you know, headquarters or it's all unstructured. And the third thing I'd add is the mood. The mood of the country is not good. People are, we're coming out of COVID uh, tired and frustrated, and some people are leaving, you know, allowing themselves to be angered by it. And I think we, we need to acknowledge that. There's, there's consequences on the psyche of the nation and people. I mean, the mental health issues are going to be pretty prominent as we come out of this. I would not underestimate how, how there has been, I think, some scars and that we should pay attention to that. So the mood is more difficult, and we need to pay attention, again, to those people, not 
not push them back or write them off. We need to listen to uh, how they're how they, they feel and what their issues are and, and address them. Bet you never bet that you'd be reading mean tweets um, to a camera. Um, oh, <laughs> I had fun doing it too. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, are we actually going to get an election this fall? Ah, uh, you're <laughs> you're showing your experience in public life and intuition. There's two things about it. I think one, Mr. Trudeau. Could very well leave. If he does, the Liberals do a leadership race, they'll get a bump in the polls. They always do. They get a bump in the polls, they're in a minority situation. The temptation may very well be irresistible to go into a campaign. So uh, they'll, they'll dump the NDP <coughs> immediately if that's the case. Yeah. The other thing, Kirk, is that uh, history has taught us that uh, there, there is a, a little advantage in taking and going earlier on the new a new leader to take advantage of the fact that the new leader has not yet got himself or herself organized. And I, that's, it's, it was done to me and mm -hmm. I have been, you know, in certain instances, someone who made a choice based on going earlier rather than late. So those are two reasons why we may have, I think my own instinct is that I think we'll have an earlier campaign at 25, 26, and that more of a reason for the conservatives to have a leader who can win and get organized rapidly and has been tested and 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 get our agenda up and going to be prepared to campaign and win yeah well it's uh still until september you're, you're out there uh all over the country in the meantime uh, always thank you for your time you're very gracious uh and generous and allotting your time good luck out thank there and uh, we'll thank see you, you again. see you on the campaign trail thank you kurt bye-bye i'm crypto point publisher and editor-in-chief of business in vancouver thanks a lot for watching